de Perestrooikast. Een blik op Oost-Europa. Welcome to BNR Perestrooikast, episode 192. The only podcast in the Netherlands focusing completely on Central and Eastern Europe. You're about to listen to an exclusive interview with Maya Sandu, the president of Moldova. We had previous talks with Svetlana Tichonovskaya, Edi Rama, Nino Haratishvili, Petr Pavel. So once again, now with Maya Sandu, the Perestroikast welcomes an international guest. And we're happy to present to you this podcast, therefore not only in English um, and not only in Dutch, but in both languages. We are talking with President Sandu about what kind of country she's currently leading. A country under constant threat, fighting a hybrid war with Russia. Is Europe the way out for Moldova? And does President Sandu truly believe that Europe is willing to help Moldova, whatever it takes, as long as it takes? An interview about threats and solutions, struggles and security. My name is Geert-Jan Haan. And I am Fulder Zakerman. And you're listening to Dutch language leading podcast concerning Central and Eastern Europe, BNR's Perestroikast. Maya Sandu is sitting opposite us in The Hague. Uh, good morning, Madam President. Welcome and nice to have you here. Good morning. Um, you visited Mark Rutte, uh, our king, Willem-Alexander, the House of Representatives. Um, what kind of support are you seeking from the Netherlands? First of all, I'm here to uh, express my gratitude for the support we have been receiving. Moldova uh, did get assistance from the Netherlands over the last 30 years in our efforts to consolidate the democratic processes and the democratic institutions. I'm here to express my gratitude for the fact that the Netherlands uh, did support the decision of the EU to grant Moldova the EU candidate status. Uh, we are talking about extending our bilateral relations. We're interested in bringing more investors uh, to Moldova. Uh, we have been discussing about the security, of course, and we've been discussing about the next steps for our EU integration. I've been talking to uh, the authorities here about the progress that Moldova is making with respect to the EU expectations and conditionalities. And uh, for now, uh, your colleague, uh, Ukrainian colleague, Mr. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, Um, the Russians want him dead or alive, if I might, may say, and the Russians are also not fond of you. Do you feel safer over here or in Moldova at home? Well, I do feel safe here uh, and I do feel safe in Moldova. Of course, we are facing all kind of attempts by Russia uh, aimed at undermining our efforts, uh, um, aimed at not allowing Moldova to... Uh, become a strong democracy, not allowing Moldova to continue its EU path. Mm -hmm. But the will of the Moldovan people is to stay part of the free world. The will of the Moldovan people is to continue to build a democratic country. And uh, we know that we can survive as a democracy uh, within the EU family. Uh, we do see what are the risks in the region. I do believe that Russia will continue to be a source of instability for many years to come. Uh, that's why I keep saying that 
for us, the only chance to survive as a democracy is uh, to become part of the EU. Mm-hmm. In this part of the conversation, we'd like to ask you some questions um, regarding uh, the threats that your country is currently experiencing. And later on, we'd like to talk about the possible solutions that you are uh, seeking for. You were naming already uh, EU integration. Uh, Flores, please take it away. Yeah, if I may say, um, as an introduction, Moldova feels a, a strong influence of Moscow. Uh, the energy uh, security is also influenced by Moscow if Moscow wants. And we have political forces, regions, and media are influenced by Russia. Um, minorities speak the Russian language, and so on, and the Kremlin would like to use it for them, uh, for their advantage. Um, at first glance, you would say Moldova is caught in a Russian web, and we would like to ask you, in our questions, uh, how can you your country get rid of it. Um, to sum up a little bit, I hope it will be a little bit fast, but you have two uh, disobedient regions, if I may say. Uh, one of it, Transnistria, there are Russian soldiers on the ground. You have uh, influence uh, in, in your energy security by, uh, uh, by Gazprom. There are uh, people from Gazprom in Moldova Gas, for example. There's uh, uh, shares of, of uh, Gazprom in Moldova Gas, etc., etc. You have politicians with Moscow connections. You have pro-Russian media websites, pro-Russian church. Russian language, pro-Russian minority. Um, Were you aware of this? (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Um, Are all these elements, these factors, uh, holding your country, your pro-European Union course, uh, hostage? It is true that we're facing uh, many of the problems that you have mentioned, but it is also true that we are more resilient than a year ago, a a year and a half ago. Uh, For instance, we're less dependent on Russian energy. Uh, A year ago, Moldova was 100% dependent on Russian gas. Today, Moldova, with the exception of the Transnistrian region, does not consume any Russian gas. So we have managed to diversify our sources of energy. We continue to work on it. We're making investments. We're working hard on the energy security. But uh, there is proof that we can solve some of these problems very quickly. Uh, At the same time, uh, there is, of course, the Russian propaganda and the disinformation, which uh, makes things more difficult. But we have a constant majority of people which support the EU integration agenda of Moldova. You can see it in the polls. You could see it uh, on May 21st when we organized the big uh, rally uh, when about 100,000 people came into the streets to show their support for Moldova's EU path. Uh, So we do work hard to uh, make the country less vulnerable and we are being helped by our partners, by the uh, uh, EU countries, by the international development partners and and this helps us uh, move quicker and and become more resilient. If we talk about Russian influence on your uh, energy security, you're saying that you quit uh, Russian supply of gas. If I'm not mistaken... The CEO of Moldova Gas wrote in March, this March, uh, that um, the supply of Russian gas resumes. Um, the the only gas consumption that happens today in Moldova is in the Transnistrian region, mm-hmm. which you know is a, a separatist part of the country, which is not yet controlled by the constitutional uh, institutions of Moldova. But most of the population, most of the consumers 
on the right bank of Nistru do not consume mm-hmm. Russian gas anymore. Mm-hmm. How to deal with those Gazprom members sitting in Moldova gas and the shares? Well, of, now of, uh, that Gazprom. we now that we almost don't depend on the Russian gas, this is not really an issue. Mm-hmm. Now we have to finish the project which is going to connect us uh, uh, with Romania for the electricity grid. And Mm -hmm. we have started to implement a big project when we came to power. This project is going to be finalized in two years from now. Mm -hmm. We are already connected in the NSOE. uh, So we do have access to the EU market for electricity through Ukraine. The problem is that every time Russia bombs the electricity network uh, of Ukraine, we have blackouts in Moldova. But as I said, we're working on it and, and... in two years, we're mm-hmm. going to have full independence on energy. Yeah, you, you already mentioned it. There were some there are protests uh, for your government, but there were also protests against your government this year and early this uh, last year. Um, we saw also together, Gertjan and, and I, in, in Eastern Ukraine, 2014, also such kind of protest uh, at the start, at the beginning, and it turned out it's getting worse, worse, worse. Um, so far that now we are facing a big war in, in Ukraine. Um, by the Russian invasion last year. Um, how to deal, how to stop these kind of protests protest before it gets worse like we have seen in uh, Ukraine? We believe in democracy and uh, in a democratic country. Uh, you should have protests. It's normal for the people to come and speak. Uh, this is how they. This is one way they communicate to the government on whether they like the policies or not, on whether they like the, the situation or not. Uh, but but then there are Russian genuine protests, right? there are genuine protests, mm-hmm. uh, and we respect and create the conditions for people to be able to express their views. And in Moldova, the, we, we had a situation when we had protests uh, financed uh, by Russia uh, using some uh, corrupt groups in Moldova mm-hmm. with which we have been f- uh, fighting over the last 10 years. Um, and they've been organizing these paid protests, uh, hoping to destabilize the country, hoping to um, make this protest violent and then to overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. I did speak about this in the in the spring. Um, we warned the people and uh, the corrupt groups uh, sponsored by Russia failed to overthrow the government. It doesn't mean that this is not, uh, this doesn't continue to be a risk, but it's not as big a risk as in the past. We are concerned with the fact that uh, Russian money continue to come into the country to uh, finance political parties and campaigns. This mm-hmm. is illegal. Uh, we do have pretty good uh, legislation when it comes to financing political parties and campaigns, but uh, the enforcement, of course, is still a challenge. Mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah, it's, if you're saying political parties influenced by Russia, um, one of your main opponents is uh, Ilan Shor. Um, he's influenced by Russian, uh, by the Kremlin, by Moscow. He's, it's said that he's via the FSB, uh, they want him to, to destabilize uh, uh, Moldova. How to get rid of, rid of him? How to get rid of Mr. Shore? He's not my opponent. He's a fugitive criminal. He mm-hmm. uh, was convicted in Moldova uh, to 15 years in prison for the participation in a big uh, banking sector fraud. He has been included in the sanctions by US, by EU and uh, by other countries. Um, and uh, the justice sector in Moldova is working to uh, bring him to Moldova and, and to make him 
uh, respond uh, to sanction him for the for the corruption cases that he undertook. Uh, Kremlin decided to work with such people uh, against Moldova to undermine the processes in Moldova. And, of course, this is not an easy uh, process to sanction all those people who uh, have been involved in, in corruption in Moldova. We are undertaking a significant effort to reform justice and to strengthen the capacity and independency of the anti-corruption institutions. This is our main commitment mm -hmm. uh, towards our citizens, but this is also our commitment, uh, an important commitment uh, in our uh, EU integration path. So we're working together with the international partners. We're working to, to strengthen our uh, uh, institutions at home to be able to protect uh, the citizens. Yeah, if, if we look to this Russian influences and we look to Ukraine, Ukraine is, has a tough policy right now against uh, pro-Russian parties. It, it's forbidden. Uh, black websites are, are banned or, or disturbed. Um, the church, they created their own church uh, a few years ago, Ukraine. Um, uh, uh, it, it tries to say farewell to this Russian influence on every level. Is it not that, uh, why shouldn't you do such a policy? Well, but we are trying to uh, cut on Moldova's dependency. As I said, the energy dependency was pretty big before we came to power and Russia kept uh, weaponizing, to, to weaponizing media, energy. To, to so now we're connecting to, uh, to the European markets, first of all, and I think we made a lot of progress in the last two years. We're learning to fight uh, propaganda and the disinformation. Uh, we just uh, adopted a law on establishing a special unit which is going to coordinate the activities of uh, all government institutions uh, to, to be more efficient at fighting propaganda and disinformation. But we should uh, say it clearly that even sometimes even countries with stronger institutions than the Moldovan institutions fail it difficult to protect people from, mm -hmm. from the disinformation and propaganda. So uh, we are reforming our state. Uh, we are reforming our institutions to make them resilient uh, to make them strong so that we uh, could uh, more efficiently face the destabilization effect, uh, efforts that come from Kremlin. Mm. With what measures can the European Union help you, your country, against this uh, Russian influence? We want EU to know that we want to stay part of the free world. We want to have the chance to continue to uh, consolidate our democracy. And we have been benefiting from support from the EU. We hope to be able to continue on this path and uh, at some point to become part of the EU. We do believe in a fair and merit-based process, as Netherlands uh, believes. So we're very serious and very committed about the reforms that we need to undertake. Uh, but both uh, Ukraine and Moldova need the support of the EU, not just for the sake of supporting democratic and, uh, you know, attempts and, and the fight for freedom, but also because democratic and stable uh, Moldova and Ukraine uh, is good for the security of the EU, for the security of the continent. And then what kind of measures are you concrete thinking, which European Union can help? EU should continue to help Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is defending its freedom, but Ukraine is also defending today Moldova and other countries in the region. And uh, EU should uh, continue to be open for the enlargement. Again, a merit-based process, 
but uh, we should continue the processes that have started last year and, and see a clear path for those countries which are really committed to, uh, to adapt, uh, to adjust to the EU standards. Clear. Всім добрий вечір. Лідер фракції тут, голова Офісу Президента тут, прем'єр-міністр Шмигаль тут, Подоляк тут, президент тут, всі ми тут, наші військові тут, громадяни суспільства тут, всі ми тут. So, um, I've been to your beautiful country a few times. Um, last time was in uh, in June during the EPC summit um, that you were organizing proudly, I have to uh, say. And afterwards, I had some interviews with some of your cabinet members. I met the Minister of Defense. I met the State Secretary of Energy, um, the the senior advisor of your Prime Minister on cybersecurity. So those are three very important topics if we're discussing uh, threats that you're currently experiencing. And when she was visiting the Netherlands um, in May, I also had the honor to talk to your former Prime Minister, Natalia Gavrilica. And she told me that if um, Putin would have invaded Moldova the same way he invaded Ukraine, that the two of you would have stayed in Moldova. Of course. You say of course, but why? Why so of course you're, if your country is under attack? Yes, but we made some commitments to work for the people uh, in good times and in bad times. Nobody... Uh, could have imagined that we'll have to run the country during a war situation with a war at the border. But uh, we are there to, to lead the people, to help the people, and we would have to, to stay, as President Zelensky states. And it proved uh, very, very important because the, the resistance of Ukraine uh, probably uh, started because its leadership was there encouraging people and managing the most important processes. Can I ask you, did you receive an offer from one of your allies, Romania, America, like, is there a script that you could go to another country and live in exile over there? There were some discussions, of course, but uh, I was not interested in these discussions. I was interested in what the international community, what other, uh, our neighbors would do if Russia gets to our border and how would they help the Moldovan people and, and the Moldovan state. That was the discussion that interested me. And now, would you stay in Chisinau? Of course, I'm the president of Moldova and I have to stay there and, and do whatever it takes to uh, keep people safe and, and to help deal with all the challenges that we're facing. Uh, regarding Moldova's, um, let's call it, rapprochement with NATO and, and the EU, um, you're constitutionally bound to a policy of neutrality. Yes. Um, so you cannot, for now, apply for NATO membership, if I'm uh, correct. That's true. That's the provision in the constitution, and we respect the, the constitution and the will of the people. We do work uh, very uh, seriously these days to... Uh, increase the capacity to develop our defense sector. And I think we have made significant progress over the last two years. Of course, we cannot do miracles, but uh, with increasing the internal budget and with support uh, from uh, development partners, uh, including uh, through our programs with NATO, but also directly through uh, with the NATO countries, we have been able to, to increase the capacity of our defense uh, system. 
Yeah, for instance, Rob Bauer paid a visit to your country uh, uh, also last year, I think. Yes. Um, we know him because he's Dutch. Um, <laughs> and he's a very important guy for NATO. Um, but it, it also raised the question, like um, I, I read um, that uh, most of Moldovans actually appreciate the neutral position that Moldova currently has. Uh, how to deal with that? Because I assume your government and, and your party is, is aiming for... Um, NATO membership in the future? We understand the risks. Um, at the same time, the majority of the people in Moldova continue to support the neutrality, and we uh, can think of several explanations. On one hand, of course, is the Russian anti-NATO propaganda, uh, which uh, people have been consuming for a long time. But uh, I believe more than that is that people believe that the moment we start talking about NATO, Russia will start bombing Moldova. So the fear of war, because Moldova is very close to the uh, to the war zone, uh, when it started, we could hear the bombs falling on uh, Ukraine, but we could hear from Moldova. The ports of we can Ismail, see, we can see these days that uh, Russia uh, is bombing the ports, the Ukrainian ports, on the Danube, and these are just five kilometers from Moldova's only port. So the, the risk is still there, and people fear the war, and some of them would fall into this trap uh, again, which is promoted by, by Russia, that the moment you start talking about NATO, then the risk of being attacked increases. Yeah, but it's your own choice. Well, it's our choice is to talk about these issues, uh, to, to have a discussion, and we do have a discussion. We did see an increase in the number of people who um, believe that Moldova cannot defend it, uh, it's, uh, cannot defend itself and, and needs to be part of a, of a bloc. Uh, but again, uh, there is the will of the majority. We are a democratic country, and we act within the... Uh, the, the limit that the constitution imposes. So for now, we are strengthening our defense system and we're very grateful uh, to the Ukrainian soldiers and people who are uh, so courageous and who make uh, the ultimate sacrifice to defend their land, but also to defend our land. Your former Prime Minister Gavrilica uh, told me that 20 years ago she was a student and she earned some money as a translator at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and that she Back then she heard European officials telling your ministers back then that perhaps for generations there would not be a, a chance for Moldova to get the EU um, candidacy status granted. And she felt like, okay, that, that ship has sailed. She was very disappointed. I was so frustrated that the government of my country back then did not fully uh, embrace European integration and did not fight for this um, window of opportunity, historic window of opportunity. So we lost one generation. You know, during the last 20 years, a lot of Moldovans uh, voted with their feet, uh, migrated away. We had a huge brain drain um, and uh, a stifled development with um, uh, influence of oligarchic uh, uh, interest groups. But now she feels almost kind of ashamed for the fact that European rapprochement is actually happening, but kind of thanks to this full-fledged war that Russia started in in Ukraine. I was wondering, do you also struggle with these emotions? 
I do believe that we missed some opportunities in the past. Um, I think we missed the opportunity to become a EU member state together with Romania or the Baltic countries. And I do believe that the current opportunity uh, emerged because of this uh, crazy war that Russia started against uh, Ukraine. But at the same time, I know that we were very committed to reforming the country, to fighting corruption, to reforming justice, uh, and uh, to moving on on our EU path before the war. So it's not that our objectives have changed. It's just that before the war, this was our dream. And now uh, this is the only way uh, for us to survive as a democracy, as I said. So that's why we're even so even more determined to, to succeed on this way because we want to stay part of the free world. We don't want to fall under a regime which puts people in prison because they support mm -hmm. peace or because they criticize the president of the country. No, enlargement is no longer a dream. It's time to move forward. There is still a lot of work to do. It will be difficult, it will be complex, sometimes painful for the future member states and for the EU. But let's be clear, if we want to be credible, I believe we must talk about timing. I believe we must be ready on both sides by 2030 to enlarge. And now, um, Charles Michel, President of European Council, is, is even mentioning 2030 as a target date for um, EU expansion. So maybe European rapprochement towards Moldova is now happening faster, even faster than, than we all expected. Did, did you hear this, by the way, from, from Mr. Michel or Madame von der Leyen or Mr. Borrell in, in, in person as well? Moldova should be ready for 2030? Uh, we were the first to uh, say that we can be ready, we should be ready by uh, 2030. This is our internal agenda, uh, our internal internal target. And I do believe that this is realistic. Um, and then, of course, we have to see when the EU is ready. But we have to focus now on our internal agenda. And, and that's what we do. And of course, we continue to talk to the EU uh, leaders, to the uh, heads of states and governments in the EU uh, countries. And we do uh, see a lot of appreciation for our efforts, uh, for our resistance and resilience. And we're very grateful for the friendship and for the support. We're very grateful for the uh, Netherlands support. We're very grateful for the support of the Prime Minister Rutte. And that's why we're here today to continue to work on our cooperation. But in the Netherlands, there's always sentiment about new countries, um, EU enlargement, because um, Dutch people sometimes or Dutch politicians sometimes feel like um, these new members could slow down uh, progress in, in EU in general. Are you not afraid looking at the rankings and the indexes regarding um, corruption prosperity indexes that seven years it's coming too fast for Moldova, that you won't make it and that member states will complain? Uh I believe we share the same view as uh, uh, people in the Netherlands, uh, that this should be a merit-based system, that you need to make progress, uh, and only after that uh, you can 
move on. And I have to say that we have been making progress because you mentioned uh, rankings in the international international rankings. Moldova has made a lot of progress in the last two years. Moldova has moved uh, when it comes to the free freedom of press from the 89th position to 28th. So today Moldova is number 28th in the world in terms of freedom of press ahead of some of the EU countries. Moldova is 19th uh, 19 when it comes to um, uh, the gender equality. Moldova has moved up even when it comes to uh, perception of uh, corruption. Uh, Moldova has improved in terms of uh, justice sector reform. I'm not saying that uh, we are content with that. There is still a lot to do, but we're working hard on it. And, and we really have the political will on one hand for these reforms, and we also have uh, full popular uh, support for this. We both have one uh, final question for you. Um, yeah, time is running if out. May, if you may ask. Um, uh, your country, like Gretchen already said, has a neutral status, um, not member of the European Union, not member of NATO. Um, what do you expect from them, from those two organizations, if Russia attacks Moldova? We see that European Union and NATO is, or not NATO, but NATO countries are trying of our helping uh, Ukraine what do you expect from them if in such a case both should support Ukraine so that uh, this risk that you're talking about does never happen does not materialize uh, I do hope they will continue to support Ukraine um, and we will be able to see uh, Ukraine recovering its territories and we'll see Russia being stopped uh, from what it has been doing over the last one year and a half. Mm-hmm. Or is it good to have security uh, for security reasons, for economical reasons, to have a, a union state with Romania together? Again, Moldova is a democratic country. There are some people, there is quite a number of people who uh, believe that Moldova should become part of Romania, but the majority of people don't support that. So we respect the will of the people. Uh, we do have excellent relationships uh, with Romania. We do get a lot of support from Romania, and we are very grateful for that. But again, we have to act within the context which is, uh, you know, supported by by the majority of the people. So, my final question uh, regards recovering territories. Um, it's just a yes or no question, or you can elaborate on it for two, one or two sentences. Um, will Transnistria be fully controlled by Moldova between now and ten years again? What do you think? I do believe that we can see a geopolitical opportunity in the next few years, which might allow us to solve the conflict. It is very important for us to solve it peacefully. Uh, But Ukraine's victory uh, might provide this geopolitical opportunity for us to be able to uh, start solving the conflict. It's not going to be an easy process. I mean, it's not going to happen in three months. But... uh, it can start happening uh, before uh, the end of this decade. So first economically isolate Transnistria and then finally politically get control No, the it. problem is now is with the Russian troops, which are there. So this is the big uh, problem. Uh, the Russian weapons, which are there from the Soviet times, and we have been uh, demanding from Russia to withdraw its troops and, and to... Uh, agree 
to uh, utilize, to destroy the weapons there for a long time. Unfortunately, Russia has not been uh, fulfilling its own commitments because it did commit in the past to withdraw its uh, troops from the uh, Republic of Moldova's territory. Uh, and speaking about neutrality, uh, Russia is the country which does not respect Moldova's neutrality because it has, even today, uh, troops on our territory which are there against the will of the Moldovan people. Someone is knocking at the door. So we have to thank you for your time, thank President you. Sandu, and um, enjoy your stay in the Netherlands. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you very much. So the Dutch listeners who occasionally listen to Bene Perestroikas, they are aware of the fact that we normally wrap it up with a joke from our correspondent in Russia, Joost Bosman. Um, he's very funny, according to some people. And, well, we found one in English as well. Um, but we're here in this hotel room after this interview with Maya Sandu, and we cannot reach out to Joost. But we can um, give you a, a joke from Edi Rama, who was our guest a year ago, by the way, in Perestroikast. He's the Prime Minister of Albania. He was in Slovenia last week, was on stage. He's a former artist. And he thought, okay, let's talk about how difficult Russia is, a country, such a big country with a lot of time zones, and then something can go wrong. I don't know if you heard about Russia having this negotiation to change, to, to unify the clock, because they have nine hour difference from one part of the other of the country. And the prime minister went to Putin and said, uh, Mr. President, we have a problem. I yeah. send my family in holiday and they... And uh, I called to tell them uh, uh, good night, and it's already morning, they are in the beach. I call Olaf Scholz to greet for the anniversary, and they say it's tomorrow. Yeah. I call Xi Jinping for the new year, they say it's, already, it's, it's still the old year. And Putin says, uh, yeah, it happened to me. I called Prigozhin family to say sorry for your loss. The plane was not taking off yet. Uh, uh, uh. Great joke. More funny than uh, than Joost? Yes, no doubt about it. Okay. But Joost, you can book him in Dutch and in English. He's a great guy, great correspondent. One of a few left in uh, the Netherlands, uh, in Russia, I have to say. So please look him up and uh, don't lock him up. Пока. I do. Thank <laughs> you.